I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to What Dog. For woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 347 for January 9th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about uh, favorite finishing books, how to sharpen, no, not how to, whether or not to sharpen router bits, uh, miter saws versus table saws, and plywood with hand tools. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, we'd also like to thank some folks who helped us out. Now, remember, we do have the Patreon campaign going on. That's at patreon.com slash woodtalk. But we also have the uh, options on our website using PayPal. If you just want to send a one-time donation or even set up a recurring donation, that's perfectly fine. Uh, two folks did just that. Natalie Hummel and Peter Steeper went to our website and helped us out there. And uh, we got a bunch of other people to mention who helped us out on Patreon. Uh, John Velhawald, Rudy Fichtenbaum. I think like it's like you guys are messing with with me here uh kenny k andrew p tucker jay mahoney Corey, just Corey, and uh jeffrey jeffrey mager nathan rigney michael couch and mark manula so thank you so much folks for helping us out we truly appreciate the support and if you do you get all kinds of little bonuses we mention your name at the top of the show it's a whole lot of fun we bring you into the family it's uh you know it's like olive garden we're all family here or whatever the heck they say in our commercials <laughs> big pasta dinner <clears throat> it's just like a big pasta dinner all right so uh we are shannon list today because he's having some internet trouble baltimore internet is not cooperating so it's just uh we're gonna two-man this thing this is the first i think i think it is yes it'll be uh it should be interesting. We'll see how it goes. All right, moving into what's on the bench. For me, I am starting to assemble my shop, and I actually got the, the PM2000 out of the box and assembled, and I filmed the whole thing, and I'm not even 100% sure why. You know, like, it's, there's just, I think you know how this is, Matt. Stuff's going on, so you turn the camera on. Everything. Right? Just film it, whatever. You just you just never know. You might need it. So I thought at the very least, although I'm sure it won't go over well because people don't necessarily, like, unless you're actually 
trying to assemble this thing. It's not really going to be that helpful to you, but I still think it's cool to see tools go together. So I did film it and I plan to publish a video that just kind of very simply, I'm not selling anything. It's just assembly of a PM 2000 <laughs> and like no voiceover. Here it is. This is just me putting it together. Uh, so that, that should be interesting. And, uh, and because of that, and also because of Christmas and because of unpacking and unpacking the shop, we have had like so much cardboard and to the point where that stupid little can <laughs> that you get that they pick up every two weeks, there's no way. I, it would take me a year to get all this cardboard disposed of. So I found a resource uh, here locally in, in Lakewood. And I don't know if I'm sure other cities have this and it's just something I never thought about. But if you're ever in that situation where you just have a bunch of like recyclables and especially as, you know, uh, tool lovers, a lot of times you'll get a couple of tools in at once, combine that with some house garbage and suddenly you have more cardboard than you know what the heck to do with. Um, So look up your local recycling centers. And a lot of times there are free resources, recycling centers. You could just load everything up in your car or truck or minivan like I did, uh, drop the stuff off and they, they will take care of it. And that way you don't have to wait, you know, months and months to dispose of some of this stuff. <laughs> so I'm sure to a lot of people, this is obvious, but to me, it was like, Nicole's like, why don't you look up a, a recycling center? So I was like, oh, they make those. Okay. And sure enough in Lakewood, I had to drive about a half hour to get there, but it was totally worth it because now we are caught up on our uh, cardboard recycling. Yeah. So. And the same kind of problem here. Uh, one thing I found out too, is that they'll take uh, cardboard that's outside the bin if it's bundled. So if you want to invest the time in bundling it, and well, I guess it depends oh, on, the, okay. on the carrier or whatever, but if you bundle it and set it up beside the bin, and all these days, those garbage collectors, they get to hang out in their trucks. Yeah. And like I feel bad, like, oh, you got to get out of your truck and right. pick up a thing of cardboard. What <laughs> but, I've noticed, though, here, like here in Colorado, they're a little bit more manual than they were in Arizona. In Arizona, it was like, if it was in the can, it goes. If it wasn't, it doesn't go. Uh, here... They actually will get out, and it, and I have seen that. I didn't know they would do the recycling, but I guess it makes sense because if you put your garbage in a black bag, if you have more than what will fit in the can, they will take those black bags. If it's a white bag, they won't take it. So I'm not 100% sure what, what the logic there is. But, uh, you know, so I'm thinking you're probably right. If I had bundled and cut it up into nice sizes, they probably would take that extra cardboard. But it is still nice to be able to, like, on a Sunday, load everything up and just be done with it because it, it was going to be oh, another yeah. two weeks before the next pickup. So it definitely worked out for me. Yeah. What sucks here is if we forget to put the bin out that week or that <laughs> for that recycling week, you're like, Oh my God, what am I supposed to do else recycling? And then yeah. like, I have like bins of recycling that's <laughs> waiting to go into the bin in case we have a off week where we have like less recycling somehow. Yep. It's yeah, funny. It's definitely, uh, it's, I guess with the shops, it's tough to manage, especially if you're putting your sawdust in your regular garbage can. So, oh, I don't even know how people would manage that one. Yeah, I mean, now it's like, I, I get that all the time where it's like, well, Mark, you didn't leave any room for house garbage in there. It's just <laughs> sawdust. It's like, sorry, sorry, doing my best here. Uh, but that's really about it. So I'm still getting the shop together. Probably going to get the electrician in soon to um, help me with some of the outlets so I could actually power up some of these tools. But I got the PM2000 behind me. Uh, I got the workbench model, which is the one that has the... It's 52 um, inch extension um, length on it. And it actually has a, uh, it's still the laminate surface. I know you can get one with wood and one with laminate, but it's a laminated surface with the dog holes and the vice. Now, honestly, I didn't want it because of the workbench. I wanted it because um, the base that comes with that workbench model is so much sturdier. And there's a lot more to it that I love the way that that looked. And it seemed like a really good option. I just don't necessarily care about the vice that it comes with. 
<laughs> so uh, I've got the vice if I need it, it's there. But ultimately, I find that the whole thing is, you know, instead of the little black, you know, thin metal legs, it's got these, you know, it's all painted and, and much thicker and, and sturdier materials. Uh, so I, I hopefully will be happy with that in the long run. But um, it's a really nice saw. Really, really happy with it. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, can't get enough of the, the saw stop commentary. Um, so you, you have a saw stop, right? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. And when, when you see someone get a new saw, let me ask you this, Matt, do you like say, Hey, stupid, you, you didn't get a saw stop. What's wrong with you? Is that, is that how you do things? Just curious. Uh, oh man. If I said that about like, you could say that about like every tool, like, Hey, I saw you bought a bandsaw mill. Hey, stupid. You know, you could build your own. Yeah. Hey, stupid. What? Actually, I think that's really a good way to start every possible conversation is, hey, stupid. It works for, you know, it's a secret to a long marriage, actually. You got a lot of flack about the, the saw because it's not a saw stop? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I posted pictures of the PM2000, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine yards. And a lot of folks, it's not just like, hey, Mark, uh, a few a few people are totally cool about it. They're like, hey, I'm just curious. what? Why wouldn't you go for a saw stop? And then I can answer that question. Um, it's the ones that are like, uh, so what made you go with the one that's going to cut your finger off versus one that isn't, you know, like the, the ones that make it seem like I'm a moron because I picked this saw. That's the stuff that bugs me. But so I even posted on Facebook. I'm like, when did saw stop become a cult? You know, like not everybody's like that. And I, I know plenty. I mean, you, Matt Vanderlist, there's plenty of guild members who have saw stops. Um, folks that I know that, that are very happy with their purchase, but they're not necessarily like evangelists about it. But there are certainly people who are, and they're very adamant. Um, I, I don't want to put anyone down. I don't want to make this sound insulting, but there are two two types of people it reminds me of that I've had dealings with in my life, and that's um, born-again Christians and reform smokers, former smokers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people who have changed their way and feel like it's their job to change everyone else's way at the same time that become like uber annoying. Um, so yeah, but, uh, so I did get a little bit of blowback on that. And and meanwhile, here I am (laughs) insulting people and I apologize if if that came across offensive. I didn't mean it to be that way, but you know what I'm talking about? That's funny. It is. To like, to to some extent. It is. And then really it's like, here, here's the bottom line. It's a sponsor. So, I mean, if you're, if you're really looking for an answer, it's because Powermatic and I work together closely and uh, and I enjoy their tools. And that's obviously why there's a Powermatic in there and not some other brand. Um, but there are also reasons why I don't want to, I guess maybe we shouldn't get into the debate on this, but you know, there are still logical <laughs> debate, reasons. Debate it. Mess it up. Oh, he's back. He's back. back. The mystery Ladies man is over. Did they give you 350 your- megabits per second lightning speed? Yeah, baby. It's good to have you back. You just got you got here just in time for something that's probably near and dear to your heart, and that is table saws. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so um, uh, let's not get into it. Let's just move on from it. But yes, it was. It, there were some interesting uh, feedback to posting a non-saw stop table saw in a public forum. That was a little surprising. Uh, so, all right, Matt. shocking to me, by the way. Oh, I, guess, guess what? Never commented Guess never what? commented that on your Facebook page. Guess what, oh, Matt, or, uh, Shannon? You're, you're garbly. How can that be? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, even, even your video is jumping around. Uh, but the show, we'll do. Yeah, the show must go use on. The, use like a, just type in what you want to have said, and Mark will just read it for you. I like that idea. There's Mark will be your that. voice today. Yeah. Okay. Shannon, call us back if you if you fix your problem. We're gonna keep doing the show. 
that's okay. okay. <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, what do you got going on, man? Oh man, uh, I was in the at shop. Shannon's expense is what you got going on. It was that was a good laugh. I, I have to say, uh, Guguia started Monday. Yes, you know, laughing it up. For sure. um, <laughs> uh, I had a good week. I was out in the shop um doing some actual uh woodworking i was making some uh farmhouse table benches oh um so i've heard a lot of fun yeah Just so this is um doing some woodworking. this is a small version of the big table right so did it, yes. does this feel like a little bit of rinse and repeat or were there enough differences that it was like okay i gotta pay a little more attention here um there were no the only differences were the ones that made them easier so the benches don't have breadboard ends uh they don't have the braces um, mm-hmm. I think that's it. That's but good. it's literally like the same exact. It's like make the side make the side assemblies. Yeah, they're the same thing, just like really short, like really short. Right, right. So now the far- I saw the picture. The farmhouse table's been out there for a while. The benches are now catching up. How's how's the finish held up out there? I haven't noticed any difference, um, mm-hmm. other than I scratched it already. <laughs> um, that's because I was um, um, bundling cardboard that has staples in it. And I ran some of that over the table, and the, t- the staples scratched the, the finish. Oh. So I'll have, to, I'll have to address that in the spring when it's warm enough to actually put some repairs on there. But mm-hmm. otherwise, as far as just, like, holding up to the elements, it looks exactly the same. It's been six months. We've had rain, uh, sleet, hail, ice, and snow. Yikes. And it still looks the same. That's good. That is some heavy-duty but- stuff. I mean, it's not bulletproof, but it's it's pretty darn heavy-duty. Well, the thing I like about the the whole like table outdoor table concept is like the tabletop itself provides an actual roof for the rest of the table. Yeah. So the base in theory is protected from the elements. Really, it just happens to be outside, but it's not in exposed to elements. Right. The tabletop itself is exposed, but it's also the easiest thing to finish because it's just a big flat space. Right. So if it does need to be fixed or refinished or whatever, it's like the easiest thing you could ever refinish because it's just take like the sander to it, get it all or whatever you want to do. It's flat. You don't have any like corners or joinery or anything weird to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I've got my uh, rustic outdoor table that's in the backyard that I'm watching tons of like frozen snow that's melting. It's like 56 degrees today. So everything is melting and it's just soaked. And I'm like, I, I'm really bad about my follow through with projects like this where I go, well, every two years I'm going to go out there and, da, 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 and sand it and recoat. I never do that. I never do it. So I'm watching this thing, the top on this thing just kind of deteriorate over time. And now it's just loaded with water. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't even know that this is going to be salvageable. I have to take a look at it after it warms up. <laughs> yeah. My Adirondack chairs are like that. I was like, Oh, I'll, I went with like the easy finish to like, mm-hmm. hopefully get it more. I would actually refinish it more often yeah, or whatever. Right. And yeah, they've been out there for like, I think they've been out there three and a half years, year round, fully exposed. <laughs> The finish failed a while ago. Yeah, same, um, same exact situation with me. And, and dude, I even uh, put those covers. I bought those custom covers yeah. for it. Uh, I don't even know where they are because they're <laughs> definitely they're not on the chairs. So, <laughs> yeah, very smart of us. Um, uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, so we've got a bunch of stuff that's uh, under what's new. Things you guys sent us, stuff we found. Uh, let's uh, try to rattle these off. We'll take some of Shannon's here as well. Um, Bob T. Janitor wrote in he said i came across this video thought it would make a nice addition to the gaming table this is kind of amazing and i i sort of marvel at folks who can kind of bring a level of math to you know especially when it involves complex geometry uh how far will that's a commercial i was hoping to actually 
get it here, but it's making a solid wood dodecahedron on the table saw. So if you're familiar with uh, like Dungeons and Dragons, multi-sided die, things like that, what, this is mm-hmm. basically a homemade wooden dodecahedron, which is unbelievable. And he makes it at the table saw. So obviously there's a lot of measuring, a lot of calculating, a lot of, um, uh, you know, very, very small numbers <laughs> to get this thing right. And and it's <laughs> it's so silly because it's just you know, it's just this little shape, but the fact that he made it the way that he made it, I think is, is amazing and mind boggling. And, uh, he should be applauded for that effort. So thanks for sending that in Bob T janitor. And, uh, we'll, we'll put this in the show notes for you. Uh, all right, we got this next one. Uh, was it sent by by anybody? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> new Ikea joinery. Um, this is a link over to uh, core 77. Mm-hmm. They kind of analyze like some of this new stuff they're putting in. And they've got these new funky dowel things that like hold stuff together. But the one I like the most here is this leg joint mm-hmm. where the leg has, it's almost like the leg has threads on it and then it slides into position. So it's, it's got, I don't know what you would call it. It's like, it's got ribs and it gets held into the, to a mortise that also has mating ribs in it. And it's just that, that's pretty sneaky. Hmm. Very nice. Um, yeah, it's interesting with Ikea stuff because I think while amongst like, I don't know, fine woodworkers, you might see Ikea as like a four-letter word, literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> I was counting. <laughs> yeah, but the reality is they actually do some pretty ingenious things, you know, and just you, you've got to respect the approach that they take and some of the designs that they bring to the table. I think it, it can be inspiring if you look at the right things. Uh, okay, here's one that Shannon was going to read, and I'm going to make it much shorter than he would. Um, new species hitting the CITES Appendix 2 list. I don't know the details on what all this means, but the bottom line is it means that you're not going to see as much of this stuff uh, because they are, uh, you know, protected or have been over harvested or whatever the case is. But um, Shannon says all Dalbergia and Bubinga. What the hell am I going to do, Matt? I use domestics. But they don't look like Bubinga. (laughs) (laughs) That's a problem for me. I love this oh, little bingo. That, is that the problem? All right. <clears throat> that, is, that is a problem. Maybe if I just use some pine and dye it, it'll be fine. Get some purple paint. But hey, you know what? This is That's why this stuff is here. You know, I don't begrudge it. It's, it's If we can't use it anymore, we can't use it. But I, I'd rather this than see an entire species go extinct because it's been harvested incorrectly uh, and not responsibly, you know, grown. So fine. It is what it is. If we can't use it, we can't use it. Dems is the brakes. Better go buy a whole pallet of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's already it's already cut. The damage is done. So let me go buy what's out there. <laughs> better, better I use it and put it to you know good use than something else. <laughs> oh man! All right, and the next one is from I oh, was sent in by Brian. Check out this algorithmically designed chair. Uh, this is a chair designed by a computer. That's pretty wild, right? I, it has. A, I don't even know like how you would come up with this normally. Yeah. I. I don't know how to describe it either. So check out the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's it's an interesting chair. I can't even say it's an attractive chair. I mean, do you like the way it looks? I think it has potential. It, it, I like the, I like the, the 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 idea that's going in with these with these triangle things. Yeah, but I don't really like the overall look. Right per se, it's a little too weird it's bony even the sculptural stuff yeah that's a good way to put it yeah and, and, good. and they even in the article they discuss that and they say that as the algorithm is applied 
And it's, you know, basically the, the computer's doing all the thinking here. They just plugged in a couple of attributes and it's working deeper and deeper. And the more it applies this algorithm, the thinner the pieces get, like boiling it down to its most essential components. And then what's left is what you see here. And they said it's just kind of a little bit ironic that as you're looking at structure and, and something to put a chair together, it's not all that different than what might hold a body together with bones. But the pieces become more and more bone-like the, the more they let the program do its thing. <laughs> which is pretty wild. It's it, it, true. They do look like bones just with, with the carvings in there or the, um, how it's actually carved. Like if you look at a bone, you'll see like ridges or, yeah. um, like valleys that are in the bone. That's yeah, it is. It's very interesting. So it's something to watch, you know, it's cool when computers start doing things like that and it may not necessarily <laughs> be the most attractive thing, but there is obviously a rhyme and reason behind it. Yeah, that's the cool thing about design is you can like look at this. You might not like it specifically like altogether, but you can pick out a few elements here that you might want to incorporate in something mm-hmm. that you do. Well, it's also it's, interesting to look at that and determine what it is that we as humans bring to that design to make it more aesthetically pleasing and, and why that's more aesthetically pleasing than what we see. Because mm-hmm. you know? it's not all that different than other chairs that are out there. It's got legs, it's got a seat, it's got armrest, it's got a back, but what is it about what we bring as, you know, what the humanity that we bring to it that makes it more attractive? Is there some sort of systematic thing in our brains that says, you know, almost universally, this is more beautiful than this? And and seeing it in its raw, bony form like that is kind of the rudimentary beginning of that process, and I mean, it just it sounds like a cool thought experiment. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one here is from Mark P., Another YouTube video says it came across this infomercial today. It's uh, for Felder brand tools, but it's a wooden hot tub. That's awesome. And he says, I had to say, oh, come on out loud when the woodworker cut the outer diameter of the six foot hot tub base with a bandsaw. Ha. So this is it's funny. This video is totally a commercial for Felder. But damn, is it a good commercial? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was actually going to put this in myself uh-huh. because I am going to make one of these just because it looks I mean, it. It's a lot of production work for sure, but mm-hmm. it's not really that hard looking like to make because it's just a bunch of staves. Yeah, it's just work, you know, but it, it, it really is so well done. The the all, like video quality is great. Uh, super excessive dramatic music. Like this <laughs> is true. this is like the world is falling apart and the only thing that can uh, save it is a wooden hot, hot tub. tub. <laughs> that like if you go into it with that, that's exactly what you know, it'll meet your expectations. What, what I thought was really interesting about it, and it, yes, the infomercial thing was good for me because I had honestly never seen, like I've seen the combination machines, but I've never seen them actually like use and executed like this before. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, wow, you can really do a whole, it's like, it's, it's a pretty big machine as far as footprints for machine go, but we think about how many machines are in that footprint. Yeah. It's actually extremely efficient. Like he was using a jointer and a planer and mm-hmm. a table saw with a sliding table saw uh, and a shaper. Is that all the ones that were in there? But I mean, it's like, that's a lot of stuff in that one little area. And he's just pumping out this giant, this giant hot tub. Yeah, man. And I mean, you're looking at something that could potentially fit in a one car garage, you know, uh, it'd be a little yeah. tight, but, but I mean, all of that in one place kind of reminds you of like the, uh, old shopsmith type things, you know, where it's an all in one, but the Felder stuff, man, I don't even want to look at the pricing on that stuff. That's gotta be <laughs> like for a machine like that. Oh baby. I mean, a re- see, here's the thing. When you look at combo machines, one of the misconceptions when people buy combos uh, that they don't realize is if the combo machine costs less than the price of those two things separately, or, or let's say significantly less than the price of those two separately, there might be a problem <laughs> with the quality. 
when you go to the really good quality combo machines, generally they will cost near the price of a modest version of the separates. You know, and this is one of those things with Felder. I mean, the price probably does come close to if you were to price out the shaper, the table saw, you know, all the different things that this thing can do and pop it in the one unit. And it and it, it is that good because it's a big old, yeah. you know, Euro slider style saw on there too. Like then the shaper's got computer control too. So you like, you want it to go up a thousandth of an inch or thousandth of a millimeter or whatever they use? I right. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Push a button, no problem. Yep, it's it's pretty insane stuff, but definitely check it out. All right, um, we are going to go on to our kickback here. And uh, let's see, first one is a voicemail kickback. And this is from Josh in uh, response to his lathe situation. Hey, guys, this is Josh Luther. Um, thanks for answering my question about the lathe on uh, episode 344. Um, I asked a question about... Um, which lathe should I get, whether it's the Harbor Freight 10-inch or the 12-inch lathe. And I just want to let you guys know that I went, went ahead and bought the 10-inch um, by 18-inch lathe from Harbor Freight, and I love it so far. Um, had for a couple of days, uh, more than happy with it, and I'm glad that I saved the money by going that route. And as far as sharpening, I, I think I mentioned on the, the question about um, you know buying a grinder at some point. I went ahead and mounted a... Um, um, sharpening stone and putting on a piece of threaded rod and putting it in my drill press. And that's how I'm currently sharpening my um, traditional lathe tools. But I'm also going to be making some carbide uh, lathe tools um, until I can actually afford to buy, um, you know, a slow speed grinder in the future. But I just want to thank you guys again for the uh, for covering my question and answering it to, to the best of your ability, despite the recent kickback that you had on uh, episode 345. Um, but I, I, I do appreciate you guys, um, appreciate the show and, um, I'm going to continue to listen and support the show. So thanks guys. Thanks again, guys. Awesome. Thanks for that, Josh. Glad the, uh, advice worked out. I think hopefully it did. It <laughs> sounds like he's happy with his lathe choice. That was the weekend, uh, question we had, uh, like last week or the week before. All right. Uh, second piece of kickback here is from William Collins. And he said, uh, this was on the website. He says, spend more time in the shop make some stuff versus piddling around. Now, when I first read this, I was like, what's this dude's problem? Like he's telling us that we need, we need to spend more shop time and stop piddling around. And then I realized he was actually responding to the, uh, what are your new year's resolutions? <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. He's talking about himself. Gotcha. So yeah, that's what William's going to do. Stop piddling around in the shop and start making some stuff. Um, let's stop piddling, start puttering. Yeah. Puttering is a little bit more, Productive, I think. Uh, all right. So Gary Badger, we mentioned him last week and I talked about jerk juice and uh, <laughs> he was kind enough to write back. He came back to the website and said, I did not mean uh, anything bad with my comments. Sorry, it came across that way. That's what's wrong with the uh, email. You try not to be too wordy and the receiver gets the wrong impression, i.e. Mark hates Matt. <laughs> so he brings up a very good point. Uh, he goes on to explain uh, a little bit more about what, what he was trying to say, but he brings up a very good point. It's, it's all too easy to uh to misunderstand things especially online but uh, i'll tell you what emoticons like as goofy as they can be uh you know an emoji definitely help to uh especially if you're you're fond of sarcasm those can really help a lot <laughs> and save yourself some uh, miscommunication and heartache uh but shannon is back shannon you want to go take the next one yeah i for yeah nice try <laughs> <laughs> i can see i can see your video on. you're faking it dude man <laughs> 
All right. Well, this one comes from Jordan and he says, great show, guys. Feel free to rib Matt all you want. He can take it. Yeah, he can. Although it would be nice to hear from Matt some more. Otherwise, you should rename the show. Matt listens to Mark and Shannon talk wood. A mouthful, I know, but the domain name probably isn't taken. That's a good point. <laughs> a really good point. Well, that's why uh, that's why I purposely left Shannon off the show for the first half, just to give Matt more time. Yeah. yeah it was an internet connection thing. Yeah. It wasn't the fact that Comcast is taking revenge on me for dropping them and signing up with Verizon. That could be it. You never know. Yeah. All right, Matt, you're up. All right. This one's from Brock. Just a little kickback to the epoxy expiration discussion on episode 345. My brother is a well-known luthier, Craig and Brink guitars, and uses West of some epoxy. A couple years ago, he gave me what was left of a gallon kit he had been using for about 12 years and began to worry um, about its integrity. Since then, I've used it for on various projects, and although it has turned dark brown, as Mark had mentioned, it works just as, uh, just as my new can does. As for me, I don't believe there is an expiration date. Thanks. Brock, BK Wood Designs. Sounds good. All right. So we have two uh, two voicemails here. First one's from Don. It's about finishing. Hello, this is Don from Stockton, California. I got a question for you about finishing. I know you love those. Uh, so I work a lot with copper and walnut, and I have to seal the copper so it doesn't tarnish. So I use spray lacquer. But I really like the look of... I'm more like an oil finish, like a Danish oil on my walnut. So I was wondering, is it possible to uh, do a Danish oil finish on the walnut first and then cover it with the spray lacquer? Or are those finishes going to do something funky and screw everything up? And if it is possible, do I have to wait for the Danish oil to cure completely or just be basically dry to the touch. So let me know. Thanks. All right. So finishing the the order always matters, you know? So he's trying to put, uh, he's considering Danish oil and then lacquer on top of that. And you can do that. I don't think you necessarily need to wait for the Danish oil to be completely cured, you know, because that's, you're talking like a week. I think as long as it's dry to the touch, you know, give it a good 24 hours, your evaporative finishes like lacquers and shellacs are a little bit less picky about the condition of the surface that you're putting this stuff on because it dries so quickly. Now, just in general for, you know, to be better safe than sorry, the longer you wait, I do think it's better. But if you're in a rush, there have been times where I've done that with both shellac and lacquer, um, moved a little faster on, on top of an oil-based finish than was ideal just because of time pressure. And it worked out fine, you know, so I think you can probably get away with that. Um, but I would also double check, always recommend you do this, take a piece of scrap, make sure uh, the Danish oil with the lacquer on top of it, pardon me, make sure it's doing what you think it's doing. Cause sometimes it doesn't even matter. Like it doesn't look any different. So why bother adding that extra variable to the step and just go to your lacquer, uh, but double check, make sure you like it and then, you know, explore that route. And if you have time, go ahead and test it out, right? If you're doing a scrap test anyway, make sure that everything adheres well and the, the, the finish lays down smooth on top of that Danish oil and, and you'll know ahead of time. So uh, all right, let's get to Brian's question here. This one is about miter saws and table saws, and you guys can hear the, the voicemails now? Uh, yeah. So, so far, yeah. Okay. Bueno, here we go. Hey, guys. It's Brian from Minnesota. Um, love the show. Uh, just wanted to ask a question about miter saws versus table saws for, uh, you know, cutting down long stock with a stop block. Um, struggling with uh, justifying putting a miter saw in my shop, and 
looking at some of these solutions out there for like soft stop sliding table or something, it seems to me that a, a setup like that would be faster than a miter saw because you're not waiting for the motor to spin down between each cut. You can just pop up a piece, run it through, grab the next piece, run it through versus using a miter saw. So um, adding in stuff like uh, better dust collection on a table saw versus a miter saw. Just wondering what your thoughts of that on that are and why you choose a, a miter saw over uh, using a table saw. Thanks guys. Bye. Okay. I'll throw this one to Matt. What do you think? I think you should watch that sweet Felder saw. Uh-huh. That's exactly what he does. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> uh, <laughs> has all the cross cuts on there. It's for, pretty slick. For only $30,000. <laughs> you too. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Is that all? I was thinking a little more, but all right. Um, what was the question? Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know the spin down time on my saw isn't really that bad because it does have a break so i don't know if that's really the biggest concern i think for most people it's going to be floor space more than anything um if you have a sliding table saw and you want to spend the money there it certainly does work um i don't know most people probably don't have that though um and if you're just really trying to break down stock do you if you're just doing rough cross, I mean, just, just doing rough cross cuts or final cross cuts, we don't really know, I guess. But yeah. um, for rough cross cutting, you can use whatever you want. I mean, I use a jigsaw. You can use a circular saw. That's a little bit easier to store too. You don't take up that much uh, space in your shop. And if you're trying to do final cuts, I mean, if you do a lot of stock that's really long, you want to put uh, an edge on. It's probably going to be easier on the miter saw because the tool moves through the wood instead of trying to move the wood through the tool. Um, so on a table saw, if you, have, if you don't have a sliding table saw, you probably need a sled in that case. So I guess it comes down to where you want to put your, your time as far as setting up your shop goes. Yeah. Or money, I guess. Too. And I think if he has like a really good permanent setup for the miter saw, so he's got nice long work surfaces, sometimes it's easier to cut those longer pieces there if you've got a stop block set up there than it is to cut that same length of piece at the table saw. You know, in a, in a smaller range, it's probably you know, six and one half dozen, but for the longer stuff, I think the, the chop saw is easier. Um, one, I think you have to think about workflow too, Yeah, just because, you know, you're not, you're not going to take that 10 foot board over to the joiner, right? You know, that's inefficient unless you need a 10 foot part, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to cut that down to whatever the part demands, 48 inches, and then you're going to run it over the joiner and you're not going to run an unjointed board over a table saw. They shouldn't. Right. Right. We're talking roughs on stock from a safety purpose. So from a from a kind of workflow perspective, you you kind of need that separate tool, um, you know, to to quickly break break down that stock. Now, granted, roughs on stock on a miter saw is not exactly the safest thing ever. Um, it's doable, but it's still um, you're going to want to have a jointed uh, piece before you take it to the table saw. So you absolutely mm. must have that. And uh, you're going to want to break that down into something smaller anyway. So I don't think the sliding table saw is really your solution there. Yeah. I think one of the only advantages, well, there's probably many, but one of the things that I see just in workflow is at the table saw, you've got that built-in work surface. So it is going to be a little bit faster, not in a start and stop of the motor, but grabbing a uncut piece, putting it in, making the cut, putting it down, grabbing your next piece and moving. At the miter saw, that tends to take a lot more time because you you kind of, I don't know, at least for me, I usually have the work pieces behind me on a cart and then I'm grabbing them, putting them in place, making my cut, turning around, 
grabbing a new one, putting that in. It does take a little bit longer, but if, maybe if he's got a big setup uh, with a nice wide table, you can keep your work pieces behind your fence and you'll be able to grab them just as quickly. Um, but ultimately, man, I, I think he, you're going to be really well served with a miter saw, no matter what you do in the shop, and then just kind of go back and forth and evaluate which one works better for your crosscuts. I also think that whole time of the break and everything slowing down is kind of a negligible argument because mm-hmm. if you need to work that fast, that that extra couple of seconds is a problem, you need to slow down. And that's true that's too. when you're going to, that's when blood <laughs> is going to be shed. Yeah. A little bit you of know, bloodletting. Take advantage of that time to like breathe and count your fingers. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if you're moving that fast, there's another issue there. <laughs> Good point. Uh, so if you want to leave a voicemail with us, uh, like Don and Brian did, you can uh, call us on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online, or you can call the phone number 623-242-5180, or just send us a file that you recorded on your phone. That's always cool because the Ooh, quality is even better. Wow. Pro tip. That's pro tip right there for you. I've given that like multiple times. You're usually sleeping at that point in the show. Uh, I'm just <laughs> trying. Hey, yeah. I have a first time listener, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for right. playing along. <laughs> Uh, I like that. Okay, let's get into our email. Uh, First one here is from Jay Mahoney. He says, I'm relatively new to woodworking and a real neophyte when it comes to finishing. I learned a lot from your project-specific advice on a podcast, and I'm wondering if you can recommend a book or two or three that I can keep in my shop to use as a comprehensive resource for all of my finishing needs. Okay, so this is a classic. A lot of people already know this. If you have been woodworking for a while, there are a couple books out there that I think most woodworkers probably have on their shelves. One of them will be by... uh, Bob Flexner, and the other will be by Jeff Jewett. And either one of them, I find them to be roughly equivalent, slightly different in tone. Uh, The Jewett ones are produced by Fine Woodworking. So like if you look at their big tome on finishing, like they they cover every woodworking topic in that big, thick, hardback book. Jeff Jewett is the author of that of their finishing book. So either one of those, honestly, they're, they're, there's a lot of redundant information between the two. They cover a lot of the same topics. They both write really well. Shannon's showing off uh, his Charles Neal finishing A to Z. <laughs> All right. So if you're looking for the book, both of those will do. I don't think you need both of them, but get one. If you want a different perspective on finishing, you've got a couple choices. Michael Dresner is someone who um, has an interesting style, a little bit of a different perspective. His books are smaller, but I think you can get a lot of out, out of them as well. And I think Shannon's example right there, uh, Charles Neal is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to finishing. And he um, has self-published some things, including DVDs and books that that you can go. Um, I will have to get the URL to get a direct link to it. Yeah. Um, but his Finishing stuff is, A to Z <clears throat> yeah. is the, it's called Beyond the Books because movies are the new books. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and and here's the thing with uh with with Charles Neal, his approach is very different. So if you're looking for something that's oh, yeah. you know not necessarily <laughs> as stiff, a little more informal, a little bit more like, hey, I've been doing this for 50 years, so you should probably listen to what I have to say, like that yeah. that yeah. kind of what attitude. What like in a fun way? In yeah. Word of warning: it's not exactly 1080p <laughs> resolution. Yeah, I mean, if you're and, talking about the video, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but, but the information 1080p for that. The information coming from uh, Charles Neal is insanely good. And it's the voice yeah. of like true hard one experience. So definitely some good resources there to check out. I haven't found anybody that handles coloring better than Charles. Yes. Um, when it comes to tinting and staining, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's mind altering. So yeah. good stuff. Yeah. He knows his stuff for sure. All uh, right. You done? Uh, yes. I'm giving you extra time. Okay, good. I was going to say, the only finishing book I have is this little red one. 
You oh. might know it. See, I wasn't going to self-promote, you know. <laughs> yeah, I actually do have a very small book on finishing that is not like it's not meant to, and that's why I didn't even bring it up. It's not meant to be comprehensive yeah. by any means. It's meant to be like supplementary to people who are trying to figure stuff out with some problem solving and, and making use of some stuff that has uh, transpired on my blog over the years that I thought would be helpful to people. So it's definitely like a good additional thing is, uh, is the book that's at uh, twwstore.com. I just found it funny because I literally have, don't have these books have, I've seen them in like the bookstores, but I don't have any finishing books. But I've got the sweet one from Mark Spagnolo. Yeah, see? Well, there you go. That might just be all you need. Uh, yeah. I don't have that book. I just bought the DVD, A Simple Varnish Finish. Oh, well, that's a classic. That that's a good one. I was oh, thinking man. about that, not to you know derail us here, but who does anyone do DVDs anymore? Yeah, because I thought like... Uh, I would love to do like an updated version of that, but I'm not even sure like once we run out of stock that I'm going to continue to make that DVD. They still sell a lot of those? Like people buy them on DVD? Yeah, they still sell. And that's the crazy thing. So it's like that. I mean, the justification is there. It's not like a a hot item that's flying off the shelves, but the video is also available in the guild. Um, So, but I'm wondering like that used to be one of the goals to aspire to when you started making content is okay. When are you going to make a DVD? You know, because the DVD DVD. was like a special thing. And now it's just like, I can't even imagine making a DVD and being like, Hey guys, buy my DVD. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a weird concept. Anyway. Uh, sorry. And that's like, that brings me back a long time. Like, Oh, making like menus. Right. Using an IDVD. On a Mac. Oh man. <laughs> no, that's like PTSD right there. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to go there. Yeah. And that's why my DVDs work and only like half oh. of the players. <laughs> right. But anyway, all right. I digress. Matt, what's your question? Uh, next one is from Chuck. It says resharpen or trash router bits. I think this comes like down to like the same kind of level as like every other like cutting tool in the shop. If you paid a lot for it, it's probably going to be worthwhile to have it sharpened. Um, I'm thinking specifically like a spiral, like a half inch spiral router bit, um, up cut, down cut, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like what 50, 60 bucks to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. And I recently had one of mine sharpened. I think it was 20 bucks. There's a place locally here that'll do it. Um, so it's definitely cheaper than buying a, a new one. And it really, de- I think it really depends on how much you paid for it. The other thing I'll mention too, is that you can touch them up. So if you get like a diamond stone and you have a, a router bit with a profile that'll allow you to do that, like a, I don't know, like a round over or like an OG bit or whatever, you can touch them up on a diamond stone so you can get some more life out of that thing. And maybe mm-hmm. you buy a cheap, a cheap bit and you sharpen it yourself and it's sharper than you could buy it. Another <laughs> option for you. Nice. Can't beat that. You guys, uh, well, Shannon, do you even have any router bits anymore? <clears throat> uh, I have one that's stuck in the chuck of like a 1948 <laughs> uh, Rockwell router. Okay. Because like you guys hang saws on your walls. I hang old power tools on my walls. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, there's like this beat up like straight bit that I think is probably frozen in that chuck. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one that I have. Okay. But nice. I did sharpen them when I had them. I had those little diamond uh, DMT paddles, right. the red one, blue one, and the green one. And I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I, I don't, I wouldn't do like a spiral bit because I, you know, you've got to get into the <laughs> yeah, flutes and all ridiculous. that stuff. But, that looks you know, difficult. For your, yeah. For your typical, whether there's a flat inside face, it's just a literally a matter of rubbing the diamond stone on a little bit. And it does, and Matt's, Matt's got a good point. It's usually sharper than when you bought it <laughs> right. when you do that. Yep, yep. Cause it's really just like a 90 degree. It's not quite a 90 degree, but you know, close enough. Yeah. It's not like there's any complex geometry, anything there. Right. Cool. Sounds good. Alrighty. This, uh, email comes from Johnny V. He says when using plywood, 
in a mostly hand tool workshop, what saws or saws, type, tooth configuration, et cetera, do you recommend using for one sheet stock break out and finer or final cuts? Thank you and happy new year, guys. Happy new year. So <clears throat> I think it's funny that he's referring to, he's throwing in the caveat in that it's mostly hand tool shop, mm-hmm. yet he's still breaking plywood down with a handsaw because the only guys that I know that break down plywood with a handsaw are the real, like, diehard people like me. Yeah, you've gone off the deep end by that point. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get, what, and even then, I've got a festal track saw hiding over in the corner <laughs> if I get, you know, like, fed up with it. Yeah. Um, hand tools and plywood do work together. Um, it just is a little bit more difficult. You've got to put a little bit more prep. But frankly, like, if you really want a really fine cut on plywood – on a table saw or something like that, you're going to take extra measures anyway. You know, whether you put pre-score the, the the sheet or put blue tape across it to hold those fibers in place, same thing is going on with um, plywood and hand saws. Um, certainly you do want um, a finer toothed saw for the, uh, the final cut. I use actually a panel saw. It's a, a 20-inch um, crosscut saw that has 12 points per inch on it. And that's... That's a great saw. It gives me a really, really clean cut. It doesn't blow out the backside because there's a fair amount of phlegm on those teeth, or phlegm, as Mark would say, mm. on those teeth. Phlegm <clears throat> um, and phlegm. So you don't get you, you don't get a huge amount of tear on the backside, and the front side is perfectly clean. But there's still going to be a little bit of splintering there. So mm. you know you need to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room to come back and clean that up with uh, a plane. Um, but you know. Even then, if that face veneer is technically cross grain, you still have got to put some pretty serious measure into scoring those fibers with with a knife. And it doesn't matter what kind of tooth configuration you have on the saw. It will tear and cause a problem. So Mm -hmm. it's all about mitigating how much tear out you get. So like you can use any old saw to break it out into parts, but... You know, if I'm using a five points per inch rip saw on there, I'm going to get a fair amount of tearing on that face veneer. And, you know, if it tears too much, I can't salvage that. Right. So invariably, I find that blue tape is plenty um, for rough breaking out of stock. Um, As long as I'm working with the grain on the face veneer, a simple knife line is enough to give me a pretty clean cut. Um, I usually avoid working across the face veneer grain, if at all possible. But um, Mark, you're... um, your kid's table and chairs build yeah. from last year, mm-hmm. uh, Woodworkers Fighting Cancer. Right. There was a, a caveat in there where you could do it in one sheet if you go cross grain on the aprons, um, but you would need two sheets if you wanted to go long grain on the aprons just because of the way the parts were stacked. Right. There was no way to get a long grain face for those aprons. I didn't want to buy another sheet, so I went across the grain. So all four of those aprons, the long edge was working across the face veneer. And in planing that you know cleaning that up and planing it it was you know score it with a knife make a couple of passes score it again with a knife make a couple of passes just to make sure it didn't tear like crazy because mm-hmm. i didn't paint that particular face i actually left that as stain grade so um ended up with a great clean cut uh if you if you want to see it i videoed the whole thing so you can watch that on my site or youtube channel or whatever and how i dealt with that but cool. it wasn't the <laughs> short answer to this is not so much about the tooth geometry it's just about making sure you leave enough to clean up after the fact sounds fun all right uh we do have a email extra coming up for folks who uh do four dollar or more on patreon and um we're going to be talking about cutting logs and dry time 
So you'll be hearing a lot from Matt. It's a little little special bonus for some of you who want more Matt in your life. Matt will be talking cutting logs. Mark and I will be sawing them. Yes. All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can. Of course, I mentioned Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. You could set up a um, recurring donation via PayPal on our website. That's at woodtalkonline.com. No, that's the forum. Sorry, (laughs) woodtalkshow.com. Stuff just comes out of my mouth, guys. I'm on autopilot. Uh, You can also buy a woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com. And uh, you can leave us a review in iTunes. That always helps out. helps raise our awareness in the iTunes store for the few people who still use iTunes. Um, just look us up, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a five-star rating. And Shannon, how about you give them the contact info, and we'll get out of here. Okay. If you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, or I'd like to throw your opinion into how much better the show was because I was missing for the first half of Yay! it, you can do that Woo! several ways. You can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Woodtalk Online. You can call us at 623-242-5180. Use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or just go to this episode, woodtalkshow.com, and leave us a comment in the bottom part. Mm-hmm. And say only nice things, please. Mm-hmm. And sensitive. <laughs> please be gentle. Cool. Very sensitive. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. See you. Bye. Bye. 